At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast with Tim Benz, presented by Bet Rivers. Pittsburgh CityCast, Mike Pursuta, Tim Benz with you for another week as we get into the nitty-gritty of the Stanley Cup Finals. Glad that you are with us. The Lightning have managed to stay alive against the Colorado Avalanche. We're going to dive into that. But, Mike, have you ever had two back-to-back nights as separate and juxtaposed as I had? I saw the entire forest and the trees on Monday night. And then I had a beautiful three-team, three-leg in-game parlay going on with the White Sox and the Blue Jays last night, and it blew up in my face in the eighth inning. I had Dylan Cease over on the strikeouts. I had the under and the White Sox winning, and I looked for the first time. I didn't even check out the game. Didn't even look at the game. Just bet it. Decided I'd look to see what the final was. It was getting late in the night, and I check it out, and it's 2-1 White Sox in the eighth, and Cease is out of the game with 11 strikeouts. As soon as I check it out, Blue Jays go up three to two. Next thing I know, it's an extras at six to six. So I've blown it on the over under. And then the White Sox come back to win. The least they could do if they're going to blow my parlay is lose the game themselves so they can feel the pain that I'm feeling. Don't you think? It's like a football favorite that wins but doesn't cover. Ugh. If you're not going to cover, you better comes lose. comes back to get the win. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, I had the same kind of week going so far. I think we both uh, were doing backflips Monday night. Oh, uh, Monday and, night. It was just text after text between the two of us, one upping each other with the victories that we were pulling in. 
everything came together. And then last night I had uh, my guy Joe Ryan and the Twins on the hill at home against the AL Central, specifically the uh, Cleveland Guardians, who I like betting against just because they changed their name. And it's five. You're gonna bet against George Washington a bunch this upcoming year in basketball. Oh, without question. Uh, (laughs) 5-3 lead in the eighth, blows up on a two-run dinger, and uh, the Twins lose it in 11. And I got a question for you. Uh, You know how much baseball irks me the way it is uh, devolving and and the way the game is being played now. Yeah. And you you know how much I hate putting the ghost runner at second base in the 10th inning. Despise it. Stupid. But riddle me this, Batman. If you're the home team, and you actually get out of the top of the 10th without the other team scoring. And now you have a guy at second with nobody out. Why are you not bunting him to third every time? All you need is one friggin' run to have your guy stand there striking out. Doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me. Right. Especially because then you can just loft a sacrifice fly and win the game. They got to bring the infield in. They got to bring the outfield in. A ground ball anywhere but right at somebody's going to win. A wild pitch is going to win. Right. A bobble's going to win. You really increase your chance of winning if you get the guy to third with one out. And it's not that hard to do. It really isn't. Well, it isn't. And it kind of goes back to part of the reason I was doing backflips on Monday night is one thing I've had success with is hunting big strikeout pitchers. Because to me, it seems like they set the individual strikeout line at seven and a half a lot and seven and a half ain't much for big strikeout pitchers that are at least worth a damn. Like I had a parlay that actually paid out at plus 500 that I put together on Monday night when McClanahan was going up against Garrett Cole. And then the other pitcher that I spun into that was Corbin Burns. And they all went over seven and a half. The only one that made me sweat was McClanahan. He got eight. But with the three true outcomes being what they're doing, seven and a half for a good pitcher that gets a lot of strikeouts ain't much because of what you're talking about. It's the three true outcome thing. And they subscribe to it so much in baseball these days, they ignore what's in front of them, which is like what you said, get the guy to third base when he's the winning run. It used to be such an axiom in the old days when you had a tie game in the ninth, you had a guy on base, just get him to third, get him in a scoring position and then see what happens. Tim, I'd do it if I was the visiting team. Screw playing for a crooked number. Get a run. Get the lead. Make that put the pressure on them. They're giving you a run. Uh, as, as Billy Bean so eloquently put it, when they're giving it to you, take it. Say thank you very much. But you're starting to sell me on this strikeout stuff and the uh, great pitchers against great pitchers unders. Yep, uh, that was another one that was part of my parlay. Well, not, I take that back. I did that one individually. That was Nicholas and Burns. Two nothing. Milwaukee ended up winning two to nothing in that one. Yeah, I started uh, Saturday. Uh, it was uh, our guy Alec Manoa for the Blue Jays, but he was mm-hmm. being opposed by Jamison Tyone of the Yankees, and the over-under was seven. Now, Manoa's just been fire all year, but if you bet against the Yankees right about now, you have a death wish, and I know they lost last night, but it doesn't happen often. So Tyone Manoa under seven ends up four nothing Yankees. Uh, this is kind of what the 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 strategy I've been following, the, the play I've been trying to run repeatedly. It's my Packers sweep of late. You pick one game that you think you can win and bet it outright, and then you have a parlay where you're you're throwing some stuff at the wall, but it's low risk, very high reward potentially. 
Saturday, I got the win in the Yankees, Toronto under, and then my parlay went south. Monday, had the Mets uh, Monday afternoon coming off a loss, hosting the Florida Marlins. What a way to celebrate the holiday. Uh, Six-nothing Mets. They improved to 17-4 and after a loss. And then that night, Monday night, now you throw stuff at the wall on the parlay. Pirates-Cubs over, boom. Cardinals-Brewers under, boom. <laughs> Yankees-Tampa Bay under, boom. It was six and a half because it was Garrett Cole and... Uh, Oh, McClanahan. Oh, McClanahan. McClanahan, yeah. yeah. Uh, it ended up four to two, but that's under six and a half. And then the Padres winning at home over Arizona. Pretty good chance that was going to happen. And the Tampa Bay Lightning getting back in business in the Stanley Cup final. That was 25 bucks to win 489. Nice. Like, nice. You, you give yourself a chance to play those when you can find that one game and win it. Uh, so that was the uh, the perfect storm there. And then last night, in addition to the Twinkies blowing it, my parlay went south. So you win some, you lose some. But uh, when you hit those long shots, it gives you a lot of uh, wiggle room. One thing to illustrate how the gambling mind works and when you've lost too many games, how beaten down you can feel. When you've lost just about every way there is to lose, and I think you and I have done this enough, where we've lost just about every way there is to lose and we've won just about every way there is to win. <laughs> I was feeling that way because I had the Pirates as a standalone bet over eight and a half in the opener against the Cubs and the Pirates race out to the seven nothing lead. And I'm thinking to myself, because number one, I mentioned it on the podcast on Monday to go over and I dilly dallied. I got distracted by other things. I waited. It's clearly the power of this podcast moving the line, Mike, because it went from eight to eight and a half. And I didn't get in on my own suggested bet until the line moved up half a run. Tim, when so it I, comes out of your mouth on these podcasts, you better have your phone in your other hand making your play. There it is today. Right now, I'm holding it in my right hand. you're going to make it harder on yourself than it needs to be. And I exactly did that. So the, the league gets to 7 to nothing right away. And I'm like, they're going to screw me, aren't they? They're going to screw me. They're going to win like 7 nothing or 8 nothing. Sure enough, the Cubs add one run, and it's 7-1. to and then it looks like the scene from Caddyshack. The skies open up. I don't think the heavy stuff's going to come down for a while, right? This just a torrent of, I'm like, they're going to rain this thing out with seven runs on the board for the Pirates and one for the Cubs. They're going to rain this out at seven to one. And that's how I'm going to lose this bet. Luckily, the skies stopped, the skies parted, and the Pirates win going away. 12 to one. I thought it would be the Bucko bullpen that gave it away, but no, it was the Covey bullpen that allowed me to get over the hump. And boy, there's a lot to bet against a lot to be made betting against the Cubs these days. I don't know about today against the pirates per se. Uh, I actually kind of like the Cubs today against the pirates, but uh, moving forward, there's a lot to be made against Chicago. Yeah. They should at least be a part of your parlay every day. Uh, you know, going against them uh, as we've talked about on these three, four, five teamers, Find one kind of toss-up game and then get yourself some layups and throw it all in a big pile. Uh, it's going to hit more often than not if you can if you can get that toss-up game right. But, yeah, uh, the Cubs are off. Pirates are very fortunate that uh, they have the Cubs and the Reds in their division. But I still like them to go under 65-and-a-half. I am not fooled by this uh, O'Neill Cruz, Bly Midras, uh, Jack Sawinski nonsense. I've, I've seen this fish before. A momentary and, uh, shot in the arm. Yeah. 
and then everybody gets excited and then they drop 14 out of 16. Then they go through the league once, and next thing you know, they're having 0 for 23 stretches, right? We, we yeah. know what this looks like. The ones that are any good, Tim, we're talking about Pirates prospects, the next, the next hope that shuffles up through the system. The ones that are any good end up in pinstripes. The ones that aren't grow up to be Gregory Polanco. <laughs> it's pinstripes or Polanco. Speaking of the, the pinstripes come here not too long, right? Isn't it like the 5th and 6th? They're right here after the 4th of July holiday. We can watch the Yankees in, per, in person, that uh, train that's running off the tracks. Boy, they're an impressive club, and uh, they're coming off a loss today as well, uh, FYI. Also today, I don't know what A rare loss and also a rare over in Tampa Bay versus New York. Like, that series had hit an under, I believe it was five games in a row. And uh, I'm not sure how quick we're going to get this up, but the Mets are coming off another loss last night, 8-2 to two to the Astros. Uh, they're actually slight underdogs in Houston at 210 today. Uh, they're 17 and four record after losing this year mm. tells me they should not be slight underdogs. Was well, so Vasilevsky play- pitching for them or something? I'm playing the Mets. Uh, I think I mentioned uh, a week or so ago, uh, the Braves have a phenomenal record against left-handed starters. I think it's uh, 16 and four, something like that. Uh, wish I could quote that for you exactly, but it's, uh, it, it momentarily escapes me. But Atlanta's really good against lefties. San Francisco at Atlanta, Morton against Rodon. Uh, I'm going to go with Charlie Morton in that one. Part of the reason I'm going with the Cubs for a rarity today is uh, Keegan Thompson. He's one of the few pitchers that can get things done for the Cubs. He's six and two with a 3.27 ERA. And as I recall, doesn't he have a good game under his belt against the Pirates? Yeah, he does. Uh, he started against the Pirates back in May. Actually, I take that back. He's got two. He started against the Pirates back in May. Uh, five innings of no runs allowed. And uh, actually, they pulled him. Yeah, he didn't allow any runs. He had um, five strikeouts. And then back in April, he pitched four innings against the Pirates, allowed no runs through four, but they did lose that game. They won the second game seven to nothing. Hey, betting on the Cubs is always a risky proposition, but um in this situation, I do like them against the Pirates. And I think to your point, Mike, for as much enthusiasm as those guys have injected to the Bucko lineup, it's, how sustainable is it with, with the rest of this team? Uh, so you're not uh, all that impressed with uh, Eikhoff getting the start for the Pirates today? I don't even know who that is. He is uh, formerly of your uh, Phillies and Mets, I believe, had been in AAA this year. But uh, a middling big league record in uh, 80 games or so. Yeah, last year, 0-2 with an 869 ERA. So I'll go Cubbies today. Even they have to find a win from time to time. But if you looked at their margin of defeat, if you wanted to do individual run line totals for opposing teams moving forward for the Cubs, I think that's a smart play. You know, like there's a juxtaposition that I noticed about the ease with which you could bet the over and win with the Cubs, um, the ease with which you could bet against the Cubs and take the other team's individual run line, uh, the margin of victory if you wanted to play the run line against the Cubs, all that stuff lines up. And then you look at the Yankees, who never lose. But, you know, there was that eight-game stretch of their win streak, Mike, where five of the games were at the over, three of the games were at the under. They'll beat you one night by outpitching you. They'll beat you one night by outhitting you. They'll beat you another night by one run. They'll beat you another night by 14 runs. 
I mean, literally, there's there's no map to how to bet the Yankees aside to just bet them straight, and that's getting tough to do because the money is such that you're really buying your victory. Yeah, unless you unless you group it, and then uh, yeah, you know, with the parlay the in your favor, you got again, you got to hit them all. But uh, I I would prefer to lose a little at a time, even if I go two for three or three for four, and then eventually it's going to bust. Uh, that would be uh, Jared Eikhoff, just uh, for the record, 21 and 32, 4.35 in 85 career games, 80 starts with the Phillies and Mets. Uh, not exactly Fergie Jenkins, but uh, as you mentioned, uh, every blind cub has to find a squirrel at some point and the squirrels are easier to find at PNC park. Now. That's right. Yes. That was uh, the other talking point from this week. Now that they, they are bringing up guys. I feel like watching the pirates pitching staff at times, Mike, and even the lineup, it's sort of like, which game was it where everybody tuned in? I think it was the Vikings game on Thursday night where everybody put the game on for the Steelers and Daniel Archibong and Delonte Scott were in there and nobody knew who they were. I get that feeling at least two or three times a week with the pirates, with some of the people that they're calling up. And uh, you got to keep in mind, you know, for everybody who says this momentum is going to carry forward and this and that, well, the trade deadline's coming around and that's when they tend to pluck the reserves from themselves. You know, like the, the ranks get a lot thinner when they deal guys that other teams want. Yeah. They don't have starting. They don't have enough starting pitching now. Hence the presence of Jared Eikhoff on the bump. And when they get rid of Quintana, and uh, I don't think they'll move Bedner. Um, but uh, even he was human the other day, by the way. There may be some more deletions. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the uh, look at baseball to start here on the Pittsburgh CityCast. Let's get to hockey. And speaking of hockey, whether you're cheering on Tampa Bay or Colorado, Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook is your home for the latest odds, promotions, and boosts throughout the entire finals. Every game of the playoffs, log on to Bet Rivers online sportsbook and place three $10 same game parlays to receive a free $10 bet. Claim your free bet rivers bet for tonight's game four matchup on bet rivers, online sportsbook terms and conditions apply. Uh, I guess you could go if you wanted to Mike for the lightning to tie it up. You could go with the under on goals. And how about Steven Stamkos scoring? I decided to throw a little, Money And I do mean a little money, but on, on the long shot odds that if the Lightning do win the Stanley Cup, then S- Steven Stamkos at plus 2000 is your Conn Smythe winner. What do you think about that? Oh, it's a good play. We talked about that before the series. Uh, it's going to be one of the headliners. It's, you know, it's not going to be Patrick Maroon. Uh, it's not going to be Sargachev uh, if the Lightning win. But uh, Stamkos in particular may have to stand up tonight, uh, depending on who is or isn't. In the lineup, both teams looking at uh, key guys who may or may not play. It's uh, Kucherov and Point on the Tampa side and uh, Burakovsky and uh, Kadri on the Colorado side. So uh, maybe that uh, tells us it's going to be a little low-scoring affair tonight as well. It's kind of a tough series so far, Mike, to evaluate in the sense that it felt like it was a blowout in the favor of the Avalanche because they did blow out Tampa in game two, then Tampa comes around and completely controls game three, six to two. So basically what you're looking at is one blowout win for Tampa, one blowout win for Colorado. And then the other game was four to three. So in, overtime. As much as, in overtime. So as much as this felt like a series that was tilted completely to the avalanche, the difference in the series right now is one overtime goal and that's it. 
Yeah, and it's you know two of the three games have been great games, which I think we were both anticipating. I'm a little nervous on these unders though because I don't trust Colorado's goaltending. I think that became more of a factor uh, as Game Three played out and Kemper got benched. Uh, boy, Sean McDonough was certainly harping on that for the second half of a game that was seemingly out of hand. Oh, about Francois uh, maybe coming into yeah. the next game. And then uh, Bedner, the coach of Colorado, sort of left that door wide open by saying, yeah, that could happen, you know, words to that effect. I, I don't know if he's trying to plant some doubt in the seeds of the lightning. What do they care? Uh, I don't think either one of those guys are very good. Uh, when they get the, when they have the puck, they can get their looks and they can, they can score. Uh, game two, they just never had the puck. If you're going back, Mike, to the point about the overs and the unders in this one have been a tough read there, the lightning and the abs to go over is plus 102 and the under is minus 120. So if you're not feeling great about the under, don't take it. Go with the over. There's no hook there either, by the way. That's big. So I would consider that. And uh, the puck line, by the way, Colorado is at minus 265. The Avalanche, that's their payout on the puck line. The Tampa Bay puck line payout minus a goal and a half. Tampa's at plus 215 there, and it's nearly an even money split on the win line. Avs at minus 107, Lightning at minus 109. I picked the Avalanche to win the series. I think this is where it tilts, Mike. I think the Avalanche win this one and figure out a way to, to scratch out game four. Um, and then the Lightning have to play catch up from there and don't catch up enough. That's how I feel it coming. Well, I hope you're wrong, Tim, because I have Tampa twice. <laughs> uh, I, I took Tampa to start uh, as a as a favorite and then got him as a dog after dropping game one. And uh, I, I think it either becomes a series tonight or that's all she wrote. I know 3-1 leads are not, uh, you know, it wouldn't be over. You, you can lose three games, as Badger Bob Johnson used to tell us. But uh, I think Colorado's a good enough team, even with shaky goaltending, that it could figure out a way to win one out of three, including two of those being at home. But if the Lightning can can cobble together another W tonight, I think uh, the, the thing shifts in their favor, even though Colorado would still have uh, two of the three at home. All the momentum would be on the Tampa side. And that Lightning got to get some doubt creeping into that Colorado team. One way to do that is to light them up again. Uh, or at least score enough goals to win that aren't necessarily highlight real goals. Uh, the Avalanche, I'm sure they're confident in their goalies. They've had these guys all year. and They got to this round, each one of them winning six. But if you put a little doubt in the uh, skaters' heads as to the quality of the goaltending they're going to receive, a lot of times that impacts how they play, and that can start being a uh, snowball downhill in the wrong direction. Stamkos, if you like my suggestion to win the con Smythe, if you were to score tonight, it is plus 150. Do you think, Mike, that McKinnon finally gets going in the finals and scores tonight? If so, he's at plus 130 to score tonight. Two things working against that, how well Tampa played uh, as units of five the other night, and, and Vaskaleski seems to be getting his feet under him again. Uh, his trend in these playoffs has kind of been, especially of late, uh, getting stronger as the series go longer. Um I can't wait to watch that game tonight. You know, we're down only a couple more hockey games, and uh, I've got a dog in the fight, so there's that. But it, uh, as you mentioned a minute ago, two of the three games have been just outstanding games, really entertaining, uh, really high-level quality stuff. Uh, really looking forward to see how this plays out, particularly if the Avs get thunderstruck.
<laughs> to tie this to the Penguins a little bit, I wrote about it today. You know, Tristan Jari. Oh, but they're right there, Tim. They're right. They could beat either one of these teams. Oh, yeah. It's just a matter of circumstances. It's if always Sydney, a matter of circumstances. If Sydney Crosby didn't get elbowed in the head, they'd be planning a parade by now. Um, when you look at Jari, you know, there's so much talk about what's going on with Latang and Malkin. By the way, before I get to Jari, three things that Elliot Friedman said on the Pat McAfee podcast. He said, Latang and the Penguins are about $1.25 million apart per year when it comes to their contract negotiations. And that's not an insignificant number, Mike, when it comes to hockey and contract talk. Any word on the length? No, apparently it's they're closer to the dollar amount with Latang, and they have absolutely no middle ground on the dollar amount with Gino, but they do have the term with Gino. And the term with Gino apparently is three years. Like Malkin's ready to go at three years, but they're not close on the money. Um, you know, you could take that one, two, five and maybe split it and make both sides happy. But at the same time, one, two, five, that's a rather large number cap wise in the NHL, particularly if we're talking four or five years. Term. And then it, right. Exactly. The term comes into play. Now, Friedman didn't have the term there. The other thing that he said was, well, I mean, Latang is an idiot if he doesn't sign for as long a term as possible, because he's not going to have this chance again. No, he isn't. This is his last contract. If he takes a two or three year deal, you know, maybe that means he's just interested in finishing out with Sid. I don't know, but uh, I'm on record many, 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 many times. I don't want either one of those guys back. And I think if they get rid of them both, they have a chance to significantly alter the makeup of their team and put themselves back into a contending position. This just in, they're not in a contending position now. They're a long way from it. They're not constructed to play playoff hockey the way you need to play it. They have to change uh, their components. It's it's not just waiting for better circumstances. Well, is Jari a good enough goalie to do what Kemper and Francois have done with the Avs? Like, in other words, do you have to have the Avs team as nearly perfectly constructed as it is in front of those kind of goalies to get this far? Like, Jari, I think, is better than those guys. Um, you know, I look at the Penguins in 16. Well, it depends and on who you ask because he was the GOAT last year and he was the hero this year because he didn't play. He's like Mitch Trubisky. He didn't play and got better. Yeah. If they hadn't had him last year, they'd have won. And if they would have had him this year, they would have won. I've seen that argument floated around a dozen times since this offseason hit for the Penguins. And, yeah, it drives me crazy, too. But I, he's a better goalie than those two. I think those I two agree. stink. Um, you know, I think Jari's good enough to get you to the playoffs. And like, do, do you need the 2022 Avs in front of Tristan Jari for him to win a couple rounds? Like, for instance, now that we've got some distance on it, Mike, were the 16 and 17 Penguins so good that they helped Matt Murray more than Matt Murray helped the 16 and 17 Penguins? Like, what's he done since he left? Not much. Well, I thought he was better in 17 than he was in 16, and he was pretty good in 16, certainly good enough to win a cup. I see where you're going with this. I think Jari is good enough to win with, but not if you ask him to be Vasilevsky. In other words, he's not, I don't think he's going to get you beat. I don't think he's going to cough up a lot that he should stop, but you can't ask too much of him too often. Uh, and I think that's kind of the Colorado theory with their guys. Now they do it by just, you know, the onslaught, the avalanche of offense. Uh, the Penguins can do it with puck management and, uh, you know, playing the game where they need to play it in the other team's end as opposed to their end. But to do that, you got to be able to grind and cycle. And they've proven they can't do that very long or very consistently. 
Uh, they can't play half court defense either. That's why they got to play in the other team's end. This is why they need to change the, the uh, dynamic of their team, the way their team is constructed. I don't think they necessarily need to build Colorado's offensive capability, but they have to be able to dictate term the way the game's played. And then yeah. Jari's good enough. Uh, one more hockey note, actually, Mike, before we get out of here. I, I meant to bring this up. I, I thought we had talked about it, but we actually talked about it on Mark Madden's show. We didn't talk about it here in the podcast. How looking forward to Penguins Flyers are you next year with John Tortorella on board as the Flyers coach? Hey, uh, in all seriousness, I'm a Torts fan. Uh, I'm a fan of American hockey, USA hockey. He is an American Stanley Cup winning coach. There aren't a lot of those guys around. And I think he was right back in the day. <laughs> About their whining stars? Yes. Is that what you mean? Yes. They're whining effing superstars. Was that the quote? Yeah, um, there was a couple. I can't remember the order of the Fs around whining stars. I just remember standing there with my microphone yeah. and marking it to hit that edit point when I got back to put the sound of the computer. And, I, you know, to be fair, I don't think they're that anymore. But they were, and he called them out on it, and everybody went crazy around here because it's somebody insulting your team. And I get that. It doesn't mean he was wrong. Yeah, but, Mike, you and know what? This is a guy who said I think it's something like four years out of 18 where he's gotten a playoff win. Got a series name, win. He's got his name on that cup, Tim. That's all I know. He does, but, you know, there's a lot of uh, checkered first-round exits and this theory that he's a great turnaround coach. He's not. You know, like, it's not like he gets there and you're instantly playoff-worthy the next year. I think every stop he's made, he's needed at least one year to get that team to the playoffs. He never got the second year in Vancouver. Went to the Rangers, they made the playoffs, but they had gone to the playoffs the year before. They actually were two points worse. So this notion like, oh my gosh, he's going to inject a new a new old Flyers vibe and they're going to take out the Penguins and be the last team in from the division. I'm, I'm not buying that. Like, I, I think they've got a long way to go and it's going to take at least two years for Tortorella. Yeah, I would I would buy that. I mean, they're, they got some personnel issues, but uh, I would argue he did some really good work in Columbus. I mean... That's the American uh, version of Siberia on the NHL landscape. Uh, you know, fifth line and all, whatever that, that stupid fan thing is they have going. Uh, not a lot of dynamic talent there. Not exactly a hockey hotbed. Uh, yeah, I love the way they fire the cannon, but you get something done in Columbus, you're doing some pretty good work, and he at least had some regular seasons there. Um It'll be interesting. I know that it'll it be will, interesting. It will be volatile. I think he will spar as much with the Philadelphia fans and media as he does uh, with anybody else. And uh, it's going to be entertaining, Tim. Stay tuned. The problem is he's nowhere near as entertaining when it comes to the Penguins now as he was when Bilesma and Johnston were there because he likes Sullivan too much. He tamps it down because of Sully. Well, maybe they'll get together this summer and there'll be a rift and. Uh, <laughs> Somebody will say the wrong thing on Cape Cod, and we could have uh, some fireworks. <laughs> All right, we come back. Stick around. 30 seconds from now, we'll talk Steelers. We'll talk about the Joby signing. We'll talk about the NFL offseason. That's to come next here at the Pittsburgh CityCast. Tim Benz, Mike Pursuta with you, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. Bet Rivers Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, BetRivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com today to sign up. 
Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Mike, in the, uh, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes we got left here, let's uh, talk some football. Let's discuss the Steelers and where they sit right now after making yet another defensive signing. It's Larry Ogunjobi. At this point, I don't think we know the terms of the contract yet. Uh, defensive lineman, formerly of the Browns, formerly of the Bengals. Very talented player. Uh, always liked him and thought he was very disruptive while playing against the Steelers. He was a pain in the ass for them to block. I don't know how much he has left. I don't know how physically capable he is. He had signed a deal that got medically vetoed earlier. So maybe the Steelers doctors have a different opinion or his foot has healed in the interim, whatever the case may be. But no question addressing depth along the defensive line with two it out was something that they could have done. So I'm happy they did it. I was just more concerned, Mike, actually about outside linebacker and running back. And that's not to say with the cap space that they still have remaining, they couldn't do something about that still moving forward. I think they can at both positions. Uh, what'd you think about taking Ogan Joby and bringing him on board just as a player? And what do you think about them addressing that position first before some of the other needs? I, I think it had to be done because I think you saw last year when they ran out of defensive linemen, everything crumbled. It didn't matter what you had at outside linebacker. It didn't matter what you had at uh, cornerback or safety. Uh, you can't stop the run. Uh, it's not going to work. And uh, I, I think they probably, in retrospect, waited too long on Stefan to it. They were uh, maybe hoping more than they were assessing that situation uh, as it really was. They didn't address it significantly in uh, veteran free agency. Drafting uh, DeMarvin Leal, uh, I think that's more of a futures pick than a guy who's going to come in and have a dominating impact this year. And uh, there was a big, big hole at defensive line, and Larry Ogunjobi fills it. I know he's got a rep where he'll he'll go around the block every now and then to try to get. Yeah, some he's not very structurally sound. He is. Well, a I, it's not like he's out there freelancing his own scheme, but sometimes you got to take the block on so the rest of it can work. And sometimes he's unwilling to do that. But I think they're going to have a strong defensive coaching staff with uh, Flores and, and Terrell Austin breathing some much needed fresh air into that, uh, into that room. Um, I look at his background, having played for Cleveland and the Bengals, he's a perfect AFC North guy. He knows what uh, he's in for here. I'm not concerned about the injury thing at all. I've heard some back channel gossip that, uh, that the biggest factor there might've been buyer's remorse on the part of the bears. They maybe uh, jumped the gun. I think it was three years, 40 million. Well, they find themselves, what, bidding against themselves, and they kind yeah, of Yeah, and then it. somebody figured it out and said, you know, we ought to probably weasel out of this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you failed the physical. Too bad. Sorry it didn't work out. See ya. Uh, maybe that's what happened. Maybe it's not. I know that's, uh, that's a topic of conversation uh, around the National Football League, but uh, I think he's healthy, and I think he's raring to go based on uh, not waiting until training camp and being willing to take a one-year deal from the Steelers. You know, right after Stephon Tewitt retired, I think that was on a Thursday. I wasn't on the air that week, but I came back the next week and said, okay, now you know you don't have this guy. You got to go get Indomitian Sue or Ogunjobi. Those are the two proven commodities left on the free agent market. Well, if you don't is get there one somebody of that you think they should have taken that went somewhere else? Before Ogan, Joby, or Sue, because that was one thing that, you know, again, I've said this. Game Hicks is pretty good. Yeah, but they could have gotten him too later. They didn't. He was in the second, third wave of free agency. He's not like yeah, he but went it, right away. But I mean, he was gone by the time all this happened. 
he was gone within like what 24 hours before to it is that what it was i think so yeah or, or right around the same time yeah they didn't they 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 were, they were down to two guys after to it, and uh, to me at least. Now, you could have waited. See, the Hicks thing to me, like, I know Tomlin likes him. Like, he was gushing about him before and after the Bear game, and he was sitting out there, and they didn't know about to it. And I think if he felt like he was a scheme fit or if he was going to stay healthy, they would have got him. Like, there's just there's a part of me that thinks that they were never going to get Hicks any, anyway, regardless of to it. Well, part of me thinks that, and this is me just, you know, adding two and two and coming up with four, and maybe that's the incorrect answer, but I was never good at math. But I don't think they were going to do anything significant to nudge to it, to to the decision that he eventually made. Mm-hmm. You know, in other words, if they had drafted the Jones kid out of Connecticut on the second round instead of Pickens, if they'd assigned a big-time free agent at defensive line, uh, then maybe that – Tell Stefan to it, okay, they're ready to move away from me. I may as well get out of here. I, I think they were really holding out hope that somehow that would work out and uh, almost got burned by it because, uh, you know, easily those two guys, uh, I'm talking about Sue and Ogan Joby, they could have waited until training camps start and you get the inevitable uh, spate of injuries here and there and maybe your value increases. But for him to come in now and take a one-year deal to do it, I, I think he – he sees himself as a fit here, and he sees potential in the Steelers. And I can't say he's wrong about either one. Steelers plus 800 to win the North, still definitely the longest shot on the board when it comes to the North. The Browns at plus 275. Those odds are getting longer as the Deshaun Watson mystery continues to unravel. The Bengals at plus 195. Good word, second. unravel. <laughs> and the Baltimore Ravens. At plus 170 as the favorite in the North. My gosh, what? how about the news surrounding them? Jalen Ferguson, huh? Stunning. I mean, like, that's, and, uh, that, that's two teams in the division now that have had to deal with the death this offseason. And Caleb Swanigan in uh, basketball. Yeah, I saw that too last night. That was something else. Um, but you know what, Mike? It's, it's just interesting to me that the Bengals still, like the odds are longer this week than when we checked in last week. I, I don't know why people are so much more thinking that the Ravens are going to win the division than the Bengals are. Is it the strength of schedule? Is it just feeling that the Bengals are a fluke? I, I think the Bengals are really well constructed, and I still think they're the best team in the division. I do too, although I continue to think that the best value there is Pittsburgh. And, and I think the, the reason I think that is not necessarily that the Steelers are going to win it, but I think it's going to be very close. And I think all four teams are going to have a shot at it. And if that's going to be the case, why not take the one that gives you the greatest payout? But, uh, again, public service announcement. If you bet these futures now, do so at your own risk because uh, one knee in training camp can uh, reset the board and uh, you don't get a do-over on it. You know, we haven't spoken since Fitzpatrick got his deal done. We haven't talked, uh, at least here on the podcast, anyway. This is the first time we've spoken since the Joby deal got done. It's more money spent on the defense. There's a big talking point right now. I wrote about this today in the Trib. There's a big talking point right now about how much more money is being thrown at the defense for the Steelers than the offense for the Steelers. And and look, I think there are questions abound with the offense. I don't know if they got the right coordinator running it. I don't know if they have the right quarterback running it. I know they have a lot of young guys. I know they have some new guys. I don't know how it's going to gel and coalesce. 
but I don't see the money spent on the defense to me, which is the least amount in football or second least, depending on which outlet you want to believe with how the cap is being judged. Um, if they're the second or lowest team in football, when it comes to paying the offense to me, largely that's just an indication that they're addressing it. They're addressing it through the draft though. They're not addressing it through free agency. And that's not new with the Steelers. That's that happens all the time. Tim, I'm going to borrow from that great uh, NFL evaluator, Ron Hextall. It's circumstances. <laughs> They're not paying their quarterback a boatload of money. Their tight end's a second-year guy. Their running back's a second-year guy. Their left tackle's a second. They got young guys that aren't making any money yet. doesn't mean they're bad players. It means they don't have to pay them yet. Defensively, they've got guys. T.J. Watt is now established. Cam Hayward is established. Minka Fitzpatrick is established. you got to pay these guys. It's the youth movement on offense. See, I look at it this way, and I added it up, actually, for a column I did for the Tribune Review. If you take the numbers, the cap numbers of their last years in Pittsburgh, Villanueva, Pouncey, McDonald, Ebron, Ben Roethlisberger, and I think I'm skipping David DeCastro, it's something like $56 million from 2020 to now. That's before you get to any wide receivers, that's before you get to any running backs. That's before you get to any of Ben's backup quarterbacks. It's at 56. That's a lot of money that came off the books that you're replacing with the draft. And you can even sprinkle in Ramon Foster if you want to go back to the end of 2019, his last year. And you got two offensive linemen that even haven't been addressed with that math. And those guys that you just rattled off that are in their second year, Mike, it's a first-round quarterback, a first-round running back, a second-round tight end two second-round wide receivers and a third-round wide receiver who you are probably going to have to pay a significant amount if you decide you want to keep them. Yeah. And if not, then you'll have a second-year wide receiver replacing him next year. You don't have to do that, by the way. What, pay him? Keep him. No, you don't have to. No, no you don't. You do not. Uh, yeah, I kind of like what they have working for him on offense. I feel even better about it, too. Uh, I was unaware that they had a top-three receiver. And then... Oh, yeah, yeah, of and course. Now I'm, I'm informed now that well, they maybe do, so. top five. Let's not get crazy. Maybe top five. It's he did looking, give himself that out. It's looking better and better. What did you think when you read that from uh, Claypool? Because people are trying to, to uh, defend it by saying he's just showing confidence. To me, there's a cavernous margin between false bravado and confidence. Confidence is one thing. False bravado is another. And I checked the latter box for Chase Claypool. I didn't have a problem with that so much because I just hear these designations thrown around, uh, you know, the ones you can make without any hard and fast. Uh, Best hockey or, player in the world. Thank you. Uh, without any parameters attached to it. What bothered me more was when he said he was a better player his second year than his first year. Yeah, he, by what metric? He was. Not, he said he knew what he was doing better. It didn't look like it. Uh, he was not as combative. He was not as physical. I'm not even talking about the statistics and, you know, where the yards gained were and the touchdown. And, and then the touchdowns going away. He said, well, they didn't throw it to me in the red zone. There's a as reason long, for that. Well, but as long as I've covered Ben Roethlisberger, if he believed in you, he didn't go away from you if you dropped the ball. In fact, he was more likely to go right back to you so that you could reestablish yourself. Um they need Chase Claypool to be as good as he thinks he is, or at least, uh, you know, in the neighborhood of as good as he as he thinks he is. I'm not saying it can't happen, but I wouldn't bet on it. And the same thing with Devin Bush. Uh, I've seen it. He, when it, he was great as a rookie, 
Uh, Claypool was great as a rookie. If both of those guys can recapture and build on that and be better than that, they have the tools, they have the talent, but I don't know if they're going to put it all together. That's uh, two two really big ifs going into next season. First well, Steelers my- team that otherwise I think is subtly, slowly but steadily kind of reconfigured itself and uh, looking pretty good in a lot of areas. They did get some help with Gronk retiring yesterday. Now Gronk doesn't tear him up for one more game. I know that. Although I don't know if he's not coming back. He could come back in week five just to mess with him. I would like to see him come back just to see if Terrell Austin would break out the old Keith Butler coverage of let's have nobody on Gronk. Remember that up in New England? Yes, I do remember that. They tried Troy on him. It didn't work. They tried doubling him. It didn't work. Let's try nobody. And you remember the one time it did work where they took, of all people, Cortez Allen and put him on Gronk in 2011 and it was magic Cortez Allen is known for that that and that alone during his time in Pittsburgh so I got the nickname Cortez the killer (laughs) all right Mike we got a Neil Young reference Canadian we got at least one more of these I believe before hockey's done and then uh we'll go into some summer darkness for a while then come back for football in August darkness on the edge of town are you already starting to look at college football no. No, I'm not there I'm, yet either. A little I'm bit on the to, NFL, but not college football. Baseball and the Lightning. They're uh, <laughs> Baseball's every day, and the Lightning is just, I'm telling you, the payoff, because, you know, when you get in after they've already lost and the odds just change so dramatically. I almost hit him again after the second game. After that 7 nothing game, I looked at it. I think it was like plus 900 or something. Oh, it was, it was sick. Yeah, it was crazy. I should have I jumped that, too, just for the – the hell of it but, just for the uh, story of telling it afterwards right yeah but i mean it would it would be this is a i don't want to say low risk because i'm i'm invested a little bit but it's high reward if they come back and pull this off again just like the uh, ranger series now they're not playing the rangers anymore toto but uh look pretty good the other night let's see what they got tonight that's what we should name this podcast the low risk high reward podcast <laughs> yeah. oh with all our scheming and parlaying and trend playing we seem to uh we're not losing you a lot of money. We're not throwing. I don't know how much around. we're. I don't know yeah. how much we're letting you win, but we're not making you lose a lot. I know that. Well, we're winning more than we're losing. I know that much. All right, when we come back next week. We'll uh, pretty much have the finals in hand, and uh, we'll look ahead more to to football. We'll get some more baseball trends that are kicking around. This is the Pittsburgh City Cast, and is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today, or go to betrivers.com.